AAF stood for us, adaptable, adjustable, and flexible. Phil Savage and I said that is our mantra. No one's going to ever blink because we know this stuff's going to happen in these new leagues. The Alliance of American Football got off the ground in 2019. It was a startup that fast-tracked its launch to get ahead, which naturally came with some hiccups along the way. Yeah, listen, you know, there were some things that were going to happen in the market that made us move fast. And uh, a lot of that had to do with the XFL, right? We didn't want to compete with them because we didn't know what Vince would do from a uh, revenue standpoint for the players. In this episode, we'll dive into the launch of the league, the stories behind what it took to make Charlie Ebersol's vision become a reality, and the warning signs that began to emerge, revealing the ride might be short-lived. I'm Cherson Soussel, and this is PHNX The Story. The Hotshots played their games at Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe, but they practiced outside of State Farm Stadium in Glendale, the Arizona Cardinals' home. Here's Jeff Munn, who was the team's play-by-play announcer. The NFL couldn't have an official relationship with us because it's violation of antitrust. Vince McMahon was starting up the XFL again, and we all knew, look, if the NFL gets up and says, yeah, we're, we're helping these guys out, he would have run them right into court, and he would have won, and he would have gotten more than the $3 the original USFL would have gotten. Um, but they did help us out. I mean, Michael Bidwell personally saw to it that we got to practice there. They let us use one of the visiting locker rooms. It was an interesting sight to see a startup football team practicing on the grass with an NFL stadium directly behind them. But perhaps it served as a reminder of the ultimate dream for some of the players— And although their approach was a professional one, the Hotshots' culture was far different than that of an NFL locker room. Besides for like, you know, high school, obviously, and even college, you know, you still get that family atmosphere. Once you get to the pros, I mean, it's so cutthroat. It's just so like, you know, you could be on a team one week and something happens and you're off. And so like sometimes the locker rooms and some of the NFL, you know, teams, they're not, there's not that like, personal aspect of it and with this it was like we all knew why we were there even if might have been like different reasons but we all were just like so close and so I don't even know how to describe like I still talk to like a bunch of the guys on my team you know it went from guys that like first time just coming out of college on our team to like Raheem Moore who's like a Super Bowl champ you know played in the league forever you know going on you know the teens and playing years and like professional ball and to see how like we all came together and like, I don't know. It was so cool. If you get the right attitude, if you get it right and everybody understands what the real goals are, which is to prolong these kids careers and give them the chance they want or to have the, the right way to finish their career, we can have a blast. Uh, and that's what we did. We had a blast. I don't care what the scoreboard says. I care about us. us. I care about each and every one of you putting on tape what you want 
as your business card. That's what I care about. The score will take care of itself. Stay within yourself, stay together, do your job, and know that the guy on your left and on your right is going to do his. That's what this game's all about. It's the beautiful thing about it. We talk about it. The Hotshots played their inaugural game on February 10th, 2019. But in between that pregame speech and kickoff was a glimpse into some of the issues that went on behind the scenes that made Neuheisel lean on his made-up acronym of Adaptable, Adjustable, Flexible, AAF. Here's Joey Arteague. We hosted one of the two games on Sunday, and uh, long story short, the comms units inside of the quarterbacks and middle linebackers' helmets were not working. Of the four markets that hosted a home game that weekend, Bill Pullian decided to, to come to our market. His son was actually a consultant of ours and was working with U of A's program at the time. I think he might still be there. And I'm on the field with Bill Polian, Troy Palomalu, my boss, some officials from the other team, and we're trying to figure out how we can get Rick Neuheisel, uh, Rick Neuheisel's walkie working um, with the comms units. And the, the national anthem was going on, and this game was about to start, and the officials came over to me and asked me what the deal was, and I had to shake my head and say no. And so he, the official, lead official, looked at Rick Neuheisel and Dennis Erickson from the Salt Lake Stallions and said, all right, here's how we're doing it, boys. It's going to be old school. You can signal in plays. You can yell play numbers if your starting quarterback has a wristband, or, or you can run in a receiver, but the comms unit's not working. And if it's not working for one of the teams, it's effectively not working for either. And literally before we were about to um, kick off our inaugural game, um, I had to go tell Rick Neuheisel that his walkie worked and he could speak into it and then sprinted around to Salt Lakeside to tell my counterpart there that he needed to tell Coach Erickson that the walkies worked. And, you know, that story is not necessarily atypical in sports. There's mistakes Certainly technology mistakes all the time that run rampant, um, but that those are just a couple stories that I remember that make you wonder, you know, if we were doing this, you know, the right way, so to speak. All that really mattered in the end was how they performed on the field. And in that regard, the hotshots got it done. Second and goal for Wolford. Wolf to the pass, man, wide open in the end zone, Gerald Christian, first touchdown in Hot Shots history. Woodrum going to throw. Woodrum in a double coverage, picked off, tremendous Robert play Nelson. by Robert Nelson. A big win for Rick Neuheisel and his Hot Shots, who definitely look like one of the more impressive teams in this league. The Hot Shots may have put an impressive product on the field, but it was a guy Arizona was very familiar with, playing for the San Diego Fleet. That put the league on the map week one because of a monster hit he took that football fans just couldn't ignore. Brokovici never saw the man coming, and he is lit up. My goodness. Wow, he was completely blindsided. He had no idea. Well, he helped propel the league, too. And it was on CBS, and at some point in the first half, somebody with San Antonio popped him good and his helmet came flying off. And I was on Twitter, and Twitter just exploded. This is the football we've been wanting to see. And 
I thought, okay, we might have a shot here. We won the opener against Salt Lake, and then we lost our next two games, including a rematch with uh, the Salt Lake Stallions. And going into the Orlando game, which was the last game I did, we were two and three, and we were all kind of nervous, like, oh my gosh, we're going to Orlando, Steve Spurrier, they're rolling, we're going to get crushed. And we end up winning the game. And the way we won, we scored late to take a two-point, like 19-17. to 17. Orlando gets the ball back. They're driving down the field. They complete a long pass to R10. Clock's running. They're out of timeouts. They're running up to the line to spike the ball. Nine, eight, seven. At the snap, one of their linemen jumped early. Offense, number seven. That penalty includes a 10-second runoff. Therefore, by rule, the game is over. How about that? How about that? How about that for a finish? Game over. And it was just, Hellestray and I are going nuts in the booth. It's like, we won, and this is, this is how we won. <laughs> These guys couldn't get a snap off to spike the ball, and we get a 10-second runoff. But it, we that at that point, I would have been very curious to see, and we did play two more games. We beat San Diego and beat San Antonio. And I would have been really curious to see how the season would have played out um, because we were starting to find our stride. That, that game in Orlando, on the flight home, uh, <laughs> Rick Neuheisel's an amateur guitarist, and he got out his guitar, and he's playing it. It was just, it was just a simple six-string guitar. But the whole flight home, he's up in the front of the plane playing the guitar. He was the happiest guy I've ever seen. Because he was, we were all thinking, this thing's about to go off the cliff into the edge of disaster in a football sense. Never mind the business part. We're going to go to Orlando and get it handed to us. And we end up winning the game. And I think that was just, that was his greatest moment as a coach almost. We were cooking with oil, as they say. Uh, we had figured out kind of some defensive things. We had certainly found John Wolford's rhythm. Uh, we, Trevor, uh, Trevor Knight was kind of being used as kind of a, a jack of all trades. We had a little package for him. Uh, we were running the ball. I think uh, uh, we ended up leading the league in rushing, or at least had the leading rusher. Uh, we had some deep plays. We we were we were on all cylinders, and I think really looking forward to postseason. What I love about this team is that no one gives a shit who's getting the ball. No one gives a shit who's getting the sack. No one gives a shit of any of that stuff. All they want to do is get another guy in a hotshot jersey around the ball or in the end zone and celebrate like hotshots. Everybody, every man, every woman in this team, every person involved is 100% selfless. There was a song, I think it's uh, LMFAO or something like that. Don't ask what that means. Uh, they had a song called Shot, 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 Shot. That was our song after wins. And we would, I'm telling you, the euphoria of winning, because I'm big into celebrating wins. Shot, 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 shot. Shot, 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 That locker room deal with us jumping up and down was as much fun as I've ever had. 
And so I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. I'm going to go get an LMFAO. Now, don't listen to the rest of the lyrics. I'm just telling you right now, don't do that. But that particular portion of the song was a blast. And the hot shots go on offense and can drain 14 seconds and get the win. I think the plane ride home is going to be a lot of fun tonight. It's the Hot Shots win here at Sun Devil Stadium, 32-15. The Arizona Hot Shots come to San Antonio, and they win 23-6, nailing San Antonio to their home turf. The Hot Shots get the victory. Eight weeks in, the league was approaching the end of the regular season, with the Hot Shots eyeing a run in the playoffs. And whether you believed the alliance was going to work or not, I don't think anyone saw what was coming. Behind the scenes, the league was in financial shambles. After week one, Charlie Ebersaw realized he needed to search elsewhere for funding. And the person they turned to didn't end up aligning with the original business plan. We'll get more into that in episode three. In the meantime, there were some interesting warning signs indicating something was about to happen. Everything from rumors to the way they traveled. I remember the team charter being nothing special. It was it was a budget charter airline. Um, they served us food. They served us drinks. The plane was old, but it was in good shape. And, um, you know, we were given a police escort from the tarmac of the airport in Memphis all the way to um, our hotel. Um, our hotel was a a mid-level, you know, nice hotel. Uh, we got our room keys. You know, none of us were doubled up and we all had our own room. And I remember week three being when everything changed. I think it was our last game going to San Antonio. The plane was late. Um, like, we got on the plane. I couldn't tell you the airline it was, but like, it was like... <laughs> yellow i don't know it was it looked like we might be like going to like jamaica or something but like it was weird and there's like no air conditioning the windows i remember one of the windows on the airplane was like duct taped like there's legit duct tape on it no air i remember like half the team like was legit like had their shirts off because it was just like it's so hot in there it was yeah it was wild and that's when we kind of knew like all right like this is probably not happening. Like, this is probably might be her last game. <laughs> You're just asking the very important question. Is this thing going to fly? <laughs> that's, that's the most important question anybody can ask. And as the leader of, as the captain of the ship, I wanted to make sure the ship was uh, seaworthy, in this case, airworthy. Uh, but look, these are the kind, and, and I go, I tell you, I, I, I played in the USFL. These were the same kind of things that happened in that league where we got to Orlando and to play the Orlando Renegades, uh, Lee Corso's team. And all of a sudden our check, our check bounced and we don't have a flight home. We have to stay in Orlando another night. We all got to find our own places to stay just so that we can get on a flight to come home. So it is a, uh, it's one of those deals where you just put the best possible face you can put on it. Tell everybody, Hey, this will be a great story someday and we'll be fine. Adaptable, adjustable, and flexible. The day the league shut down was both bittersweet and chaotic for everyone who had poured their blood, sweat, and tears into trying to make it a success. 
Coming up, we'll dive further into what was really going on behind the scenes, the stories from the final day, and how some didn't fully get closure until 2022, three years later. That's next on The Story. <laughs> 